Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Nightcap. No! This is Patrick! Time now for the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Hour number two. Joe DiBiase and Kyle Powell here on WGR. Pull up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. Should the Sabres retire the number 30 for Ryan Miller, the winningest goalie? In Sabre history, the winningest U.S.-born goalie in NHL history. He passed John Van Beesbrock last year. We're still taking calls on the Sabre struggles as of late. Phil Housley, how safe he is in his job as well. So you can ring us up at 803-0550. Where does that come from? Ring ring us up. Is it the ring, like the, the, the old dial phones? You know what I'm talking ring about? Ring us up, yeah. Because you would have to like circle the, the dial around in like a circle. That that was the ring. I'm assuming, right? Was that called the ring? It's got to be where that comes from. It makes sense. Okay. It definitely makes sense. If it makes sense to me, that means that it must be true. Have you ever used That's a, how I a think. rotary phone? Uh, I I that have, wasn't in yeah. a museum that you can just no. Yeah, I have before. Yeah, it wasn't in a museum. I can't remember when, but I certainly have. I don't know when though. Let's go to Joe. Joe, you're on the nightcap. What's up? How you doing? Good. How about you? Not too bad, thanks. Uh, I wanted to chime in on Ryan Miller's uh, sure. number. Yeah, what you got? Um, I just feel uh, like Dominic Kasich's number's up there. And mm-hmm. although Ryan Miller was a good goaltender for us, it pales in comparison to him. And I don't like the thought of that just because of the hardware that Dominic Kasich uh, got one. What, why, do we have to, why do we have to compare them, though? Because... I mean, I could say Danny Gare pales in comparison to Gilbert Perot. This doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve to have his number retired, right? Well, there's another thing. I think oh, no. it should be Gilbert Perot and Dominic Kasich up there. And that's it? I don't I don't think Rene Robert should be up there. Oh, come on. you got to have the French connection. The whole thing, right? Okay. Well, Rene Robert, before he got here, wasn't a very good player, and he played for us for seven years. Peril played 18 years. Uh, I don't know. I guess I guess I'm a little jaded, but uh, I I guess I don't mind you kind of thinking along the lines of I would rather have or I want Perot and Hashik to have some sort of honor that's above the rest. I actually like that idea. That's kind of my problem with Hall of Fames right now. I think not just Sabers, but like the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Hockey, the Hockey Hall of Fame. I think they let so many people in that the guys at the top, you know. <laughs> Jerry Rice, for instance, definitively the best receiver of all time, by far. And, you know, you've got Chris Carter, uh, no, no offense to Andre Reid, Chris Carter, Andre Reid in there. Uh, to me, Jerry Rice should have some sort of accolade that's a lot higher than that, than those other guys. 
And I, I get that. Like, same thing for the Sabres here. I, I would agree with that. I would rather have Hashik and Miller, or I'm sorry, Hashik and Perot, having some sort of distinctive honor that's above the rest. So I don't mind that. You know what? Joe, you brought an idea to my attention that I didn't like when I first heard it, but I'm kind of coming around now that I'm talking myself through it. I, I think that I would like kind of like the idea if those were the only two numbers retired. It's kind of how the Bills do it. The Bills have all their Wall of Fame guys, and their names are up there, but whose numbers are retired? I think it's just Kelly and Bruce, and then Thurman this Thurman this season. afternoon. Or, well, this afternoon. Did they, they, it was, the, was that the Monday night game? It, <laughs> never mind. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's just those three, I think. And you've got other guys up there. It's an interesting idea. I don't mind it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for the call. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's go to, if I get my mouse to work, Rob. Rob, you're on the night cap. What's up? Hey, how are you? Good. How about you? Good. Hey, I just wanted to make a comment. I've heard a lot of callers be like, oh, it's Phil Housley. Let's fire mm-hmm. Housley. I don't think it is Housley. If you look at this team, everybody was like, oh, it's Kane. Let's get rid of him. So we got rid of him. Oh, it's O'Reilly. Let's get rid of him. So we got rid of him. Personally, I think it might be Eichel or somebody like that. This is the third coach and GM combo now that this team will get fired. Why does it have to be Eichel, though? Just be, just because he's the, the the biggest constant player doesn't mean that it's his fault. No, I don't, I'm not saying it may be his fault. He seems to be the common denominator in the problem. That's why I went to him. Maybe it's Reinhardt. Maybe it's Risk. No, it I, doesn't have to be any of these individuals, though. To me, the common denominator can be that their blue line has never been fixed since Jack Eichel got here. That's the common denominator. My the point I'm trying to make though is let's just blow this thing up and start fresh and see what happens. Okay, now now let me explore this for a second. By blow this thing up, you're including who in that? Everybody? Rob left. I want to know. I was really come on, Rob. Call on, back. Rob, I need this. Please. This needs to be clarified because you mentioned Jack Eichel, and then you mentioned a blow up. Because like I said, he get, you know what? He got out in front of it. Because last hour I said, if you bring up the idea of trading Jack Eichel, I will hang up on you. And he kind of just did it subtly and then got out on his own. Stand Sneaky. by your point. Sneaky Joe just got sneaked. I think. No, they don't need a blow-up. They don't need to be blaming Jack Eichel. Just because he's been here through the whole thing does not mean that... Almost any of it should be put on him. He's still only 22. He already has your best offensive season. Points per game-wise that you've had since Danny Breer was here. Over a decade ago. That's right, that was over a decade ago now. I I get very annoyed. Like There's, very, there's a lot of things that annoy me in sports, but I think one, either one or two on the list is... When things aren't going well, it seems that the finger is always pointed at the best players. Just because they're there for it. And I think it's the wrong way to do it. Was Kyle Williams the problem with the Bills' defense for over a decade? Or was he the problem with the Bills not making the playoffs because he was there for all of it? No. He was just an individual that just happened to be there for the whole thing. And did his job throughout. And Eichel has basically lived up to expectations as an individual when you were trying to draft him. He's a generational talent. He's a 
top 10 center in the league already and will probably be top 5. That's what you were trying to get. And here's the thing. You, if you do something crazy like that, like if they had Peter Shirelli in here right now and he was trying to trade Jack Eichel, they would not be better. They'd be a lot worse. They already can't get goals. What do you think happens when he exits the lineup? You remember when he got hurt a couple years ago? Remember how little they scored? It was embarrassing. And that was when he was 20. Maybe even 19? I mean, just... Oh, Rob. There's still people out there. James, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, um, I was thinking, um, trying to get your opinion. Me and my friends were talking about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams like the Anaheim Ducks now that, that aren't in the the, yep. the playoff race anymore. Um, would Do you think they should consider trading for like maybe like a Cam, what's his name, Cam Fowler? Cam Fowler. Or, yeah, or uh, that other young guy they got, Lindholm. Um, should they consider trading for one of those guys? Like, I know we already got, you know, Ristolainen and Dalene, but I was just wondering about your opinion on that. Thanks for the call, man. They're vacuuming outside. Can you hear that? They're vacuuming. I'm actually outside. There's somebody, uh, I'm in an apartment complex, so somebody's like... Oh, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about you, man. They're vacuuming out here. Um, (laughs) uh, James, I think really that's an interesting team to look at because I think... if you talk, want to talk about blow-ups, that's the team that blows it up. They have veteran guys as their best players. They have a GM that's been there a while. And they are without their goaltender this year, John Gibson, they are the worst team in hockey. Possession-wise, shot attempt-wise, they get run over on almost a nightly basis. And they have veteran guys, like I said. That's where you look for the to try to get like a, a young guy to bring in and have for a few years. That's where you look for that. And they've got a couple guys. Ricard Raquel, I would love if they could find a way to get him. I don't, I'd be, it, hard for me to believe he'd be available because he's a 30 goal scorer at age 25 with under a $4 million cap hit for four more years. I would be clinging to that contract for dear life if I'm Anaheim. But if they do blow it up and they want to consider it, I'm going all in to try to get that guy on that contract. Silverberg's a name that's been tossed around. He's 28. He's a little less offensive, but still a good player. That's a name they should consider. Fowler, I'm not really into that idea anymore. That's the name you mentioned. Um, he was always a trade target, it seemed. Always. And we talked about him a lot here in the past. But he's now on a big contract, $6.5 for a long time. Cap-friendly. It goes past Cap-friendly's end date, 2025. So it's longer than that. And he's a good defenseman, but he's not that good. So I, I, that's not a name I'd consider. Uh, if I get my hands on Hampus Lindholm, I'd do that for sure. That's a good team, though, to target. Like, I'm glad you brought them up. Anaheim is a team that if I'm the Sabres, and I'm looking for that 23, 24, 25-year-old guy that could help me year after year, not just this season or even just next season, that's a team for sure that I'm going to pick out. That's kind of the only thing I think is possible for them at the deadline, too. It's probably going to be a pretty boring deadline, unless they do make... It's going to be an all-or-nothing deadline, actually. I think they're either going to make a hockey move like that, like with a team like Anaheim, or they're probably not going to do anything. You don't really have any UFAs. You're not trading Skinner. And 
I mean, Pomaville's a UFA, and he's played well this year, but he's also, like, he's just moved his family back here, and I don't, I'm not sure if he would want to be traded, and I bet you they would give him the courtesy if he didn't want to be moved. Because what are you going to get from anyway, like a third, fourth round pick? So I don't know. I think it's going to be a pretty boring deadline, but there is still the possibility that a uh, a big trade like that happens. Rob is back. Rob, I just got to ask you one question. Does your blow-up that you mentioned include Jack Eichel? No, I lost service. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, my my blow-up that I mentioned includes everybody except Eichel and Darlene. Okay. You know, Rissa Linen's been here for this whole thing. Reinhardt's been here for all the coaches. There's a problem that's not been identified. Blow it up outside of those two guys, and let's figure out what the problem is before Botterill and Housley lose their jobs as well. That's what I was saying. Gotcha. Um, uh, okay, yeah, thank, thank, thanks, man, for calling back. Thanks for clarifying, because I was ready to tear into you for mentioning that Eichel could be part of this blow-up. I, I don't disagree. Um, I think Reinhardt's played well enough where I think I can now consider him fairly untouchable. Not completely. Um, middle stat, I would want to include in that too. But all the other guys, I'd be fine with it. If they traded Ristolainen, I wouldn't kill him for it. If they traded Skinner, like I said, if they got an insane package back, I wouldn't kill him for it. Um, even Reinhardt, I guess. If they found a way to spin him into like a top pair defenseman... Because it's not like if you trade these guys, you're not going to get something great back. But that's the thing. I don't want to trade any of these guys just for the sake of trading them. And that's, to me, what I would be worried with the term blow-up. They traded O'Reilly to me for the sake of trading O'Reilly. And now we're sitting here with a bad contract on our hands with Vladimir Sabotka, who does almost nothing. A prospect in Tage Thompson, who clearly has some work to do. And who knows if he'll ever turn into a 45-50 point player. Well, I think we would take that at this point. And you're going to get a low first-round pick. Did I need to do that? I don't want to be making trades for the sake of making trades. Because to me, that's what O'Reilly's deal was in the offseason. And that trade stinks right now. He is the number one center on the Blues who are going to make the playoffs. So all this culture stuff that was a problem with him, all this locker room stuff that was a problem with him, it doesn't seem to be a problem now that he's got better players around him in St. Louis. Now that he's got a at least respectable blue line, which he really never had here in Buffalo. I don't need to be doing that. But it's gonna, this is going to be hard, I think, for fans to dissect, for us to dissect here at the station. Because it's going to feel like you got to blame somebody for this collapse. But I don't know if there's really anybody to blame. The first finger I would point is at Housley, but even that, I'm like, if you've heard me tonight, I'm not really how, don't know how sure I am on that. Because past him, who do you, who do you point at? You'd want to fix the blue line, but we kind of already knew that that was a problem. And we already knew that needed to be changed. So that's nothing new. You knew Bogosian was a bad contract. You knew Beaulieu was not that good. You knew Ristolainen has terrible analytics and will make you crazy at times and then will also score highlight real goals like he did against the Sharks. He's going to give you a lot of good and a lot of bad. That's kind of what he is. We knew that. 
Maybe the biggest surprise back there this year is I think Scandella is taking a big step back. I liked him last year. I didn't think he was great at anything. I didn't think he was bad at anything. He reminded me a lot of what Henrik Talinder was here. This year, he has not been that at all. He's been one of their worst defensemen. So maybe that's like the first guy I'd point at. Can you move him to the deadline? That's a change I'd make. But past that, I don't really know who you're blaming. Let's go to Chase. Chase here on the nightcap. What's up? Yeah, how you doing? Good, how about you? Uh, not too bad. I, I've actually called a, a lot on the Weiner line about Reinhardt. Mm. I'm never up early enough to see if it actually gets on. Okay. Um, I'm not either, so I can't tell you if you have been. Yeah, I, I just get very upset because I, I don't think he gets enough love. Um, I know he's a second-round pick, I, and everyone says Eichel's a second-round pick. And yet, second overall. As good as Eichel, but Eichel would have been a first-round pick in any other draft First overall. without McDavid. Um but in the in the four years that they both have been there, our top three scoring leaders every single year has been Eichel, Reinhardt, and a mixture of O'Reilly for two of those years, Skinner this year, and that's counting having Evander Kane, uh, Poso. Um, it, it, the year before their rookie year, the highest scoring point player on our team was Tyler Ennis with 42 points and 20 goals. And we had no one else on our team with 20 goals. Oh, okay. What's the, what's the overall point here, Chase? The overall point is, is like there's people that want to trade Reinhardt. It's like he's 23 years old. The oldest person in, in my core is Skinner is we, if we resign, resign him, and he's 26. And it, I just want fans to understand, like, we came in last place the last, you know, two years or in what, almost three out of the last four we were in the bottom. But – this year we did make a jump. Yes, that ten game you know streak helped out a lot, but that's hockey. It happens. Uh, I just we're going in the right direction. Uh, we finally got Darlene. People, I remember the Lions case. You know, they just don't. It, they just want him. Anytime a good player doesn't play good good enough, they want him gone. And back to Reinhardt real quick. Like last year, he was tied for the team league in goals at twenty five with Eichel. He's already yep. killed uh, his assist um, career assist total. Yeah, yeah, he's at thirty-seven this year. Before his highest was thirty. Yeah, and now he's already over his you know his career total in points with fifty-one, and he's almost a point a game player. It's pretty much since January first of last year. Um, I'm pretty sure he's over a point a game. Yeah, I think you're right on that. I, I don't I don't really disagree with you that much. I have personally, I have been maybe his harshest critic. Over his career. I thought he was a very limited player. I still think to an extent he's a limited player. Um, that's not really able to score from outside the face-off circle. And, or outside really the crease. And I never really thought he was a guy that was capable of carrying the puck through the neutral zone. He was a chip and chase guy. And he was a guy you would throw on a wing with a guy who could carry the puck. And to me, I think I should be able to find those type of players. When, we, when Bottrell got here, I thought Reinhardt was most comparable on the Penguins to, like, Patrick Hornquist, who is, like, he's a good player. He scored 30 goals in his career. But, I mean, he's a guy you picked up in a trade that wasn't, like, a huge trade from Nashville, and he's just, like, a net front guy. Like, I can find those. But I think Reinhardt has taken a jump this year. He is doing things I have not seen him do before. Carrying the puck first and foremost, especially the past few weeks. When he was taken off that line with Eichel and Skinner, and they put him with Middlestat and I think Sherry, 
Maybe that line, that other line mate uh, rotated around, but he played a lot with Middlestad. And he was carrying the puck a lot more. And his zone entries, like, looked pretty, he was looking good at it. And that's not something I've really ever seen from him in his career, his zone entries from Sam Reinhart. There's a play that we talked about a couple times earlier on the afternoon show that was about Ristolainen. And it was, oh, it made me insane. The play before, Ristolainen fires it on the net with no screen from the blue line, which you're never going to score on. The play is created, and the opportunity to be frustrated with Ristolainen is created because Reinhardt carries the puck into the zone, drops it back to get Ristolainen wide open, which ideally is where you would set up your power play. I know Risto fired it on net and kind of gave that away, but the play was made there by Reinhardt. He carried the puck in, and he dropped it back. After, by the way, Darlene, Eichel, and Skinner had failed multiple times at carrying it in previously on that power play. This is one example, but he has been a lot better at that kind of stuff. I still don't see the goal-scoring ability from outside, in clo- from if he's not in close. But overall, like his vision's been great, and I think he's taken a big step this year to the point where I went from wanting to trade him last offseason before O'Reilly to now, I think, looking back, that was that looks pretty dumb if they would have done that in turn. Because he's already at his career high in points, 51. So, I don't want to call him untouchable. I don't want to put him in the same class as Eichel and Darlene. But I'm perfectly willing to put him right after that. Maybe even in a class of his own. Like, not quite untouchable, but I'm really not ever thinking about trading him. Unless someone blows my socks off. 8030550 is the phone number. Chase, thanks for the call. I want to get to an interview from earlier today next. Best interview of the day, I'm going to give to Brian Lawton on uh, the morning show with Howard and Jeremy, NHL Network, talking a lot about the Sabres. Oper- optimistic point of view on the Sabres. He mentions that he thinks the Sabres can make the playoffs seven, eight years in a row coming up. <laughs> we haven't made it in seven and eight years, so that sounds like a dream, but... uh. You'll hear his reasoning next. Brian Lawton from NHL Network after this on WGR. I don't know how I arrived at looking this up, but I did. The Sabres' last playoff goal in Game 7 against Philly back in 2011, their last playoff goal was Brad Boys assisted by Derek Roy and Tyler Myers. That's how long it's been. Oh, I know how we arrived at that. Nikita Kucherov has two awesome goals tonight. I think he's up to 96 points. 96 points. Holy crap. 96 points. Second round pick was Kucherov in 2011. We do this with football a lot. Uh, Who the Sabres passed, or who they drafted over Nikita Kucherov, who went 58th overall. They drafted Joel Armia, 16th, and he was kind of a throw-in to the Evander Kane trade. And then in round two, they traded their second round pick for the guy who has the Sabres' last playoff goal. A Mr. Brad Boys. So, the Sabres got a season and a half out of Brad Boys. And one game out of Joel Armia instead of Nikita Kucherov. And a goal from Brad Boys that they never thought would be the butt end of a trivia question. Right. Eight years later. Eight years later. That That's their last playoff goal. 
Their other goal in that game, by the way, because they lost five to two to Philly, was Tyler Myers from Drew Stafford and Jokin Hesch. Two two of those guys still playing actually. Stafford for the Devils, so, Myers for the Jets. Go Flyers! Where did that come from? Oh, I saved that at the end of January. Oh, I can't believe I said Philadelphia that. needed to beat somebody it, for the Sabers. Hey, listen, it could be worse. Like I said, I'm not a big hater of the Flyers. Like they've just been kind of okay for my lifetime. I've hated the Penguins more, so actually I've rooted for them more than I think I've rooted against them. The Bruins, the Senators, and the Hurricanes. Like Those are the teams I hate. Not the Flyers. All right, let's get to Brian Lawton from NHL Network. He was on with Howard and Jeremy earlier today. Optimistic point of view on the Sabres from outside. He's not really stuck in the muck of it right here. Here is Brian Lawton with the guys from earlier. Welcome back. Going to talk some NHL trade rumors in a moment with Brian Lawton from NHL Network. And uh, we're taking your calls, too, on the Sabres' losses to the Rangers and Devils. 803-0550-888-550-2550. The Sabres back in action tomorrow night in Florida as they play the Panthers. So the trade deadline is one week from today. And we're going to talk about some names and teams with Brian Lawton, the former player, player agent, GM, uh, currently with NHL Network, is joining us on the Wester Hotline. You can check out their trade deadline coverage Monday on NHL Network. Check NHLnetwork.com for your local channel listing. Brian, it's Howard and Jeremy here in Buffalo. Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Howard. Jeremy, how are you guys doing? Our hockey season fell apart, Brian. We're in a very miserable place. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it fell apart, but obviously it was an incredible run earlier in the season for Buffalo, and it hasn't been as good lately. Is um, you know, actually, let me throw a quick Sabres question at you because uh, a lot of it has gone. It's gone really south, and I don't mean to set it up as you know they go on the ten game win streak. Brian, nobody's sitting here planning a cup parade, but we thought, okay, maybe they're a little bit ahead of you know where they we, we thought they were going to be. What is there to like about this team from a maybe a GM's perspective? What is there that needs to be better about this team from that perspective? Well, obviously, some of the highlights of the year for me have been. The play of Jeff Skinner, that's pretty obvious. He's come in and been a perfect complement for Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart, for that matter. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin is the guy that's really blown me away and that would give me uh, a lot of reason for optimism in the future for this Buffalo Sabres team. I think that Rasmus is just scratching the surface. I saw it firsthand in Tampa with a guy like Victor Hedman when he came into the league. and You can see their greatness in their first year. Uh, the statistics as a rookie are tremendous. They may may not be out of this world in comparison to other defensemen that are five, six, seven, eight years into their careers, but that's just the position, and I wouldn't let that fool anybody. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin is a very, very special player, and Considering this is only his first year, I, I think you got somebody that's going to end up certainly in the top 10 defensemen in the National Hockey League and potentially in the top five. And that would be remarkable um, for any player. You just you, There's not a lot of great history for selecting defensemen, certainly uh, in the top three overall in the National Hockey League, typically – you know, your D can be selected later and go on and, and be Shea Weber, be Chris Letang, be P.K. Subban, all guys that were picked to, in the second round or later. So uh, the math was against Buffalo on that pick, but it was absolutely the right pick. And in my opinion, uh, he's been outstanding. What about areas of need? Where And you look at this team, where are they lacking? 
You know, I thought they did a really nice job last year. Jason Botterell did to address some of the depth issues. They made some changes. They swapped out quite a few players, and I think that that certainly has been a significant upgrade because I do consider Buffalo, even at five games above 500, I know that there's some people that are, you know, maybe wanting more sooner. It just takes time. They're right there in a playoff uh, run. They're way ahead of where I thought they would be this year. And if they can just keep improving that depth, um, continue to swap out maybe some inefficient pieces they have, then, boy, I got to think this team is going to be dynamite down the road. They've got, obviously, Jack Eichel down the middle. They've got Darlene on the back end. They've got Rasmus Ristolainen, who's a real, real elite player as well, in my opinion. Um, and then you got a young goaltender or a guy that I believe can be a real dynamite player down the road in Linus Olmark. So I, I like where they're at. I love the building pieces they have. And I believe that if they don't make the playoffs this year, they will make it next year. And they're a team that should be there for seven, eight years in a row. We're, I, I, you know, I think I speak for a lot of Saber fans. We're hoping Jeff Skinner will eventually, you know, get signed to an extension. We'll stay here, what have you. If this thing, and he's got a no-move clause, so this is, I'm just throwing this out for the sake of a discussion point. If it turns out somehow they, they realize they had to trade him by the deadline and Skinner is willing to go to someplace else, what could you get for a guy like Skinner by the deadline? Could they get a first-round pick for him as a rental? Uh, there's no doubt they'd get a first-round pick for him, and he would instantly be vaulted into the conversation with the Mark Stones, with our Artemi Panarins. Uh, with the Matt Duchesne, above a guy like Kevin Hayes, who I believe the Rangers will be able to get a first-rounder for if he's traded uh, by the deadline, which I believe he will be. So, yes, absolutely, Jeff Skinner would return, in my opinion, a first-round pick, probably somewhere in that 18 to 31 range, uh, as well as at least at least a reasonable prospect I don't, I'm not necessarily certain you'd get a roster player back right now, but you know if you could ever guarantee these guys would come back because they're a great fit where they are, boy, that would be an incredible deal for the Sabres. Uh, everybody would love to do that, but of course it's illegal in the National Hockey League to make those types of deals. You could trade them and just hope he would come back, and if he did, Buffalo would have a chance to really continue to leapfrog forward a path that I think they're already on, but that would even accelerate things more. Couldn't you get a kind of a, well, you've been a GM and you've been an agent. Couldn't you kind of get a uh, heads up from the agent like, yeah, the guy would sign with you if you want to move him now, don't sweat it? Uh, you could get all the insurance assurances in the world. You can't do anything in writing. and mm-hmm. Nobody ever is going to do that. But the fact of the matter is, is you trade a guy, say, to Vegas, and they need a little bit of scoring. He'd be a perfect fit for them. And he goes out to Vegas, and he finds some chemistry with one of their centers. He loves his teammates. And it doesn't matter what the agent told you, whatever he said, whatever he uh, intimated. It's all out the window, and that's just the reality of it. So, um, you know, there's also the whole part of a player ever trying to wrap his head around, well, okay, so I could come back here, but you traded me, and I had to move to another city. And It's not easy when you get traded late in the season. So there's just a lot of factors. It sounds like it's great in practice, but in theory, 
Uh, it's not necessarily reality. Ottawa and Columbus have been mentioned a lot, Brian, uh, in terms of the big pieces that might be available from those two teams. Gut feeling, you know, we're talking basically what, Duchesne, Stone, Panarin, Bobrovsky. Gut feeling, any of these guys moving? Yeah, I'd throw Ryan Dezingle and Cody Cece in there as okay. well. Um, for me, I would say absolutely Stone and Duchesne go by next week. Uh, the only thing that's holding things up is everybody is, for those bigger pieces, Jake Muzzin kind of kicked things off in Toronto. And Toronto got a real nice return. If you talk to, excuse me, L.A. got a real nice return for Jake. Toronto got obviously a quality top 4D that should make them a lot better for a playoff run. But uh, at the end of the day, if you talk to L.A., they're really excited about the prospects they got. They think they got two guys that can play. Uh, if that's the case, and other teams see it that way, then people would be looking at this next tier of players, Duchesne, Stone, Panarin, even Kevin Hayes, as a step up from where Jake Muzzin is. And I think everybody right now, when I talk to them, is a little bit nervous. You kind of get starry-eyed when you have these players and you want to trade them at the deadline. You want to make sure you maximize your return. But everybody's just a little bit uncomfortable with the fact that they haven't seen offers or heard offers that are that much bigger than what Toronto paid for Jake Muzzin. So until something happens there and there's some affirmation that this market is going to take a big step up or it's going to remain relatively the same, uh, there's some cautiousness out there from some of the general managers. So once one of those guys drops, I think you're going to see a bunch of trades uh, really immediately after final thing brian seven days out are how many are are defined sellers defined buyers are there still a number of teams that are sitting on the fence at this point now i don't think there's a number of teams but i think there's a few uh i think a team like the minnesota wild that could potentially move a guy like eric stahl who's an unrestricted free agent could move another player like a charlie coyle in a straight hockey trade I think they're undecided, and they know that they're really hard-pressed up against it. They've got to make a decision this week. They have not played well the last 10. They've lost in really ugly fashion. Um, but the fact of the matter is they're still in eighth place in the Western Conference. Nobody has risen up and taken it for mm-hmm. them. So that's causing some confusion for them. Um, but other than that, I, I think it's pretty well – streamline down as to who the buyers and sellers are. I could potentially throw Arizona and Colorado in that mix with Minnesota, but um, uh, I, I think a team like Philly is going to be a seller. I think Florida is a seller. Um, I don't think necessarily that Buffalo is a seller, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. Carolina isn't, and the rest is pretty much determined, in my opinion, just go up or down yeah. the standings in both conferences from, from that direction. Brian Lawton's going to be part of their coverage Monday on NHL Network of Trade Deadline. And again, check your local channel listings to uh, see where you get NHL Network. Brian, as always, we appreciate you coming on our show. It's always nice to have you on. Thanks for your time this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. There's Brian Lawton from NHL Network with Howard and Jeremy this morning. 803 is the phone number. Last call in the nightcap is coming up next. Ryan Miller, does his number deserve to be retired? Final thoughts on that after this on WGR. Last call on the nightcap. Let's go right to it. Sean's been waiting patiently. Sean, you're in the nightcap. What's up, man? How you doing tonight, guys? Good. How about you? 
pretty good. I just wanted to comment, and I, I hate to beat a dead horse. I'm sure you guys get a lot. I mean, most of the calls are pretty negative. Everybody's pretty upset here in Buffalo. But if you go back to the last playoff round we lost, and, you know, we kind of got our butts handed to us, and it was many years ago. But, um, you know, we decided to, they decided to blow up the team at that time. And, you know, you arguably had five or six guys you could potentially build the team around. Um, you know, Vanek, Commonville, Miller, et cetera. Now you fast forward to 2018, and I mean I'm not saying that Jack Eichel isn't superior, you know, athlete um, mm-hmm. in Darlene compared to those guys. But here we are nine years from now. Pagula ran, you know, rode down on his horse, and you know, promised hockey heaven. You break apart this roster, we still only have five or six guys that you could potentially, you know, build a winner around. So that's it's kind of scary when you think about that. It doesn't really seem. Albeit from getting Eichel and Darlene, it doesn't seem like we're really any further mm-hmm. ahead than we were after that uh, loss in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, Sean, thanks for the call, man. I don't mind your comparison. I think there's definitely some similarities. I think your point about there being like five or six guys that have a lot of value and that's it is right. But I also think that the high-end talent now is – that can't be discounted. That's a huge difference. Their best players – first of all, their best player then was a goaltender. And that's not a proper way to build a hockey team, first of all. Two, Darlene and Eichel and their ability, you did mention it, but their ability in comparison to who your top forward and top defenseman was then, which would have been Vanek and who was your top defenseman, Myers? That actually was 2010s before Myers. That's, who's even their top, Erhoff? That's before Erhoff. Who the hell is their top defenseman in 2010 when they make the playoffs? Talinder Ludman is like still their top pair. I think that's that's a big enough difference where I, I don't like the comparison a whole lot. Like there are parts to it that are accurate, but um, Darlene and Eichel to me should make a big enough difference. Quickly on Ryan Miller. I've been arguing with a lot of you on Twitter about this. I think he deserves to have his number retired. And he's the winningest goalie in Sabre history. He was here for a decade. He won the only four playoff series of my lifetime. Give us, give us millennials somebody to show up for. Because we're not retiring Vanek's number. Some of you mentioned Pominville. I guess that's a possibility, but I think you would do Miller over Pominville. I think. And, I mean, the guy won a Vesna. He won the only four playoff series of my lifetime. Let's honor that 0506 team in some way. I was kind of peeved. That they never did anything for that team in the ten, like in the tenth year anniversary, because that team meant so much to a whole lot of us. And there's no banner up there for that year, and really no other player is going to get his number retired from that team. So if you're going to do somebody, I'd like to see Miller do it, or to have Miller be the guy. Thanks everybody for listening. You can keep arguing with me on Twitter about that if you want at Sneaky Joe WGR. I got a hockey game later, but I'll I'll get to your responses. I'll be back on Wednesday. Sabres play the Panthers tomorrow. You can listen to the whole show on demand at WGR550.com. Quick score update. If you're still watching the out-of-town scoreboards, the Lightning are up 2 to nothing on the Blue Jackets. So that's good, I guess, for the Sabres if you're still paying attention to that stuff. It's the Nightcap. ESPN Radio next year on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.